Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Here on Chid Music, our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. We've been talking a little music lately. We're going to continue to do music moments at the end of every segment because we want to. It's fun. And it might, we might expose you to something you haven't heard before, heard before or you might end up uh, contacting us and letting us know about something really cool. Today, just to highlight this, I have two tickets for Lyle Lovett State Theater Saturday night. I've seen him many times starting in the 80s. Puts on a great show. He's a great gentleman. Uh Everything from jazz to country to folk. Uh, really cool stuff. I highly recommend it. First person to email me at my work email, J-S-O-U-H-A-N at StarTribune.com, will get the tickets. That simple. First person to email me saying they want them, I will transfer them to you. You will have them for Saturday night. Enjoy. Uh, and thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Do appreciate it. All right, gentlemen. I think it's really cool that Kirby Puckett was a star in an all-star game. Torrey Hunter made one of the most memorable catches in an all-star game. And now Byron Buxton has hit a game-winning home run in his first all-star game. Uh, I know Puckett helped Torrey all he could. Torrey helped uh, Buck all he could. It's just a great legacy. Uh, Lavelle, you know all three. Why don't you start with that? Yeah, um, I do know all three. And I I was at the game where uh, Torrey Hunter stole the home run from Barry Bonds in Milwaukee. uh, that's one of the highlights of my career, just witnessing that. Uh, of course, the ensuing chaos of them running out of players and having to call the game in We're the tie. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Superseded all of that. Uh, but, um, you know, Puck, Buck, and Torrey, I mean, those three guys have been entertaining players, been electrifying players. Um, of course, um, one's a Hall of Fame player in, in, in Kirby. And, you know, you really get fired up over those moments. I mean, the place I was at watching the All-Star game yesterday, you know, uh, was kind of dull until uh, Buxton squared around and hit that high high pitch over the fence and left, and uh, people were responding to it. Um, and it's pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty neat when you're able to uh, uh, see the local guys show out like that because for a while, the Twins hadn't hit a home run in a in a. All-Star game. I think it was it was like a 20-year drought or something like that. And then Dozier hit one in Cincinnati, and now Bucks hit one in LA. And uh it uh just speaks highly of of Twins baseball. And I I was lucky that the first All-Star game I ever covered was the game in Baltimore in 93 when Puckett uh won the MVP award. It was a blast. Uh Roy, your thought on the lineage. Well, hard to hard to add to what Lavelle said. I I mean, I I think it's, uh, I think it's remarkable that an organization can have three consecutive uh, center fielders. For the most part, consecutive. There's a little bit of uh, drought in between, um, in, in a couple of instances. But um, 
to, to have these kinds of uh, this kind of lineage to have three center fielders of this caliber. I mean, we talk about the positions that are most important on the field all the time, talk about up the middle defense and, and all of that. Uh, it, it, center field is, it, it, you know, certainly as important as, as catcher or, uh, or shortstop uh, in, in terms of if you're the, if you're the kind of player uh, that they are to have an impact on the game in, in every possible way, um, offense um, and uh, you know, driving in runs, hitting big home runs, getting on base, stealing bases, scoring runs, running balls down. I mean, in, in all aspects of the game, we, we as twin fans, Twins fans have seen, you know, you know, virtually, essentially, three in a row of that kind of player, and. It, you you don't see that everywhere, and that's it's a, it's been a blessing for us all. Really and the low, lo, the low levels of that too. You, you think about that run it includes also Aaron Hicks and Ben Revere, and Gerard <laughs> Span. And Span, yes. Uh, so we're talking about six center fielders. That's that's a heck of a run there of all of guys who have been credible. Because I think Revere won a batting title one year. Um, Span hit three hundred a couple of years. Um, of course, with other teams. But all of them had varying degrees of success. You argue that Hicks has been the least successful of that group, and he probably was one of the more talented ones. The lineup is Roy Smalley, the former Twins All-Star, now a Twins broadcaster, Lavelle Neal, columnist at the Star Tribune. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Our producer is Brandon Morton. Thank you to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. Thanks also to Perfect Ash, one of Lavelle's favorite hangouts. We'll tell you more about them in a little bit. Uh, So let's, okay, now that we've celebrated what was a cool All-Star game, I will also say this. I mean, I don't know that you could ask more if Buxton and Arise are going to play a few innings and each get two at-bats. I don't know if he, what you, more you can ask than Buxton hitting the game-winning home run and Arise almost killing somebody with a line drive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Louie, didn't Louie, like, strike out in his first at-bat or something? Um, but that second at-bat, he laced a, what, 100-mile-an-hour fastball, uh, which he has done before. And this is the great thing about All-Star games, man, because – uh, it, it it allows players to, to on a on a stage in which the nation's watching to show off their talents. We have seen Arias have these bats uh, where he's been locked in. He did it against Edward Diaz. He's hit other pitchers 100 mile an hour fastballs, and there he is doing it in an All Star game. And we of course we've seen what Buxton can do, and there he is doing it in an All Star game. That uh, as much as guys or Buxton may shy away from the spotlight, that still helps his reputation. There's nothing wrong with that. Anything to add, Roy? Well, I mean, you always want your, uh, you know, your hometown players to to do well. Uh, and it, I mean, you know, look, look at the three to two ball game. It basically, uh, basically four swings of the bat, counting both both sides, and uh, not a whole lot of of anything else. Uh, and so, for one of your guys to hit the 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 game winning home run. And uh, the other guy to go up against uh, a guy throwing 100 where nobody else, no other hitter against a guy throwing 100, uh, you know, was uh, was able to do much and have uh, a rise be a rise. So, I mean, we had Buxton be Buxton uh, on a big stage and, and, and do a big thing and a rise be a rise. I mean, the only thing that could have been 
the only thing that could have been better was, you know, for a rise at bat to come up with men on base and as a pinch hitter, you know, just coming up, you know, just walking up there and hitting that line drive, you know, virtually, you know, out of bed. But, um, you know, Buxton was Buxton, a rise was a rise, big stage, big performances. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's why you want to watch. The only uh, thing that would have made the game better is if the Twins would have traded for a reliever in the fourth inning. And and now, which now we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, really interesting market we're in. Uh, you know, fans tend to be Twins fans tend to be pessimists. Um, the Twins are better than expected this year, better than we expect them to be in March. Uh, they're in first place at the All Star break. Uh, most of what I sense is consternation and panic that they are, have had their lead trimmed a little bit, and the White Sox are charging right now. And here we are approaching the trade deadline. Given expectations, given needs, given uh, what it costs in terms of prospects to make a deal at this time of the year, should the Twins go hard after one of the top relievers on the market? Do they have other needs? Roy, what do you think? Well, I, I'd kind of like to know what they, how they're looking out beyond this season. You know, looking to the offseason, is, is there anything that uh, is on the horizon that they're, they're targeting? Um, you, I, I, as much as I want them to, you know, win the division, uh, do whatever it takes to get into not only win the division, but go deep in the playoffs. If, if they don't think that that's possible without giving up players that they are not going to give up. And and that's going to be a, that's going to be a bit of an issue because there's a lot of guys that they like, and um, some of them are going to have to be considered in, in any kind of deal. So I, I, without knowing what they've got in mind, who's free agents at the end of this year, what deals might they think they might be able to make from a trade standpoint over the winter, I, I, I don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's the wrong term. I, I don't think you go all in necessarily to win uh, this year if it really damages how much you've built up the rest of your organization and they have to kind of start that all over again because you never know about performances. You never know what's going to happen. And I, I like the direction that they're, you know, that they're going in terms of the talent that they've acquired throughout the organization. And so some of that talent can go and that's just part of, that's just the cost of, uh, of winning, uh, winning the division, getting the, uh, the team, to a point where you can win the division, go deeper in the playoffs. Uh, but I, 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 I just think that they, this is going to be a hard one to, to make a deal. I think uh, a, a hard, a hard year to do it. And I, I'm, uh, I'll be. Int- I, I just like to know because I know that I know they're thinking about. Okay, uh, there is the rest of this year, but what about next year and the year after that? And you know, what does this club need and who can we get and who are we going to count on from our organization and who do we move on from and, and get somebody else? And um, I guess I guess that's my that's my thought. I, I'd love to see them uh, get one of the one of the relievers that were, you know, on either in either league was so dominant uh, in the game uh, last night. Uh, I don't know what they you know, we don't know what they would have to give up and what they have to pay and what that means for what they're able to do in the off season. I don't think that they're just like one guy away and they're going to be 
they're going to start playing 700 ball like the Yankees. I, I don't believe it's one guy. So I think there has to be some real planful, thoughtful strategy here about the rest of this year and, in the, and into the winter. That's good stuff, Roy. Um, the, the, the thinking about this, navigating the, the trade deadline is, is yes. Uh, is the player under control or is it a player free agent uh, after the season? Um, that affects how much you give up in the trade. Um, there's pitchers out there like Daniel Bard and David Robertson who will be free agents after the season who are playing on crappy teams who could help out the Twins. And that it would not cost them as much if they're a renter player. Um, the, the, the acquisition cost goes up once you start looking at pitchers who are have two or three years under control who are young and talented. Then the, uh, the trading, the team you're trying to trade what's going to ask for more. So the, the Twins have to come up with their own tiers of what they're willing to give up in packages in order to make this happen. And to me, getting a Bard or a Robertson, um, my God, um, Alex Colmey's got an ERA under three this year. Why, is, why didn't that happen with the Twins? Why couldn't the Twins ever get a pitcher like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, a lefty like um, uh, I like I like Greg Solo with the Tigers, but, you know, that might they may cost a lot because he's under control. But I think it, I think the bullpen can be upgraded without having to give up the farm. Um, if you if you get a veteran guy who's going to who could be on, on the market after this year. So I think it's very possible. The one thing is really uh, irking me. I'm sorry for taking this in a different direction is that these people on Twitter who are like, um, it looks like Carlos Correa has already decided to opt out. The twins should trade him for a mother load. And I'm like, why didn't we get a mother, mother load? Carlos Correa is an excellent player. He's an all-star. He's a world series winner. Um, the thing is though, he did opt out still carries over. If you trade him now, he could opt out of whatever team he joins. So that's like a rental player. You're not going to get a, a mother load for um, Carlos Correa. You may get a couple of nice prospects, but you're not going to get a mother load. I, I don't know where this thinking's coming from. About uh, you need to keep Carlos Correa to see if the, you could turn the tables on the Yankees once you get in the postseason. That's what you should be doing. But anyway, yes, I think it could be done right. I think, and Jim, I think they can. I think they can augment this bullpen and not have to give up the, give up the farm to do it. More on that topic coming up. We do want to remind you that Court Rona is the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. And Lavelle, tell us about Perfect Ash. You know, um, I've been a big fan of the uh, Arturo Fuente Double Chateau Maduro. Uh, I've been puffing on a different cigar lately. It's made by the, uh, the Caldwell Cigar Company called Blind Man's Bluff. Uh, the wrapper is Ecuadorian, the binder is Honduran, and it's filled with a, with a, a mixture of uh, Dominican Honduran leaves. And it has a nice full-bodied flavor. And if that's your jam, you can go purchase a Blind Man's Bluff at Perfect Ash, located in Evergrove Heights, Minnesota. Um, also keep in mind that on September 26th, a charity golf event uh, put on by the Perfect Ash would take place at the Hastings Country Club. Uh, September 26th. So for more details, get in contact with the perfect ash um, or send me an email at lneal at startribune.com and I'll point you in the right direction. But uh, check out a blind man's bluff and join us for charity golf tournament benefiting the Shriners sponsored by the perfect ash in Grove Heights, Minnesota. So what would it take to get Dave Robertson? Do you think Lavelle? Um, I think it would take, uh, maybe I wouldn't say definitely not a top 10 prospect, maybe someone in the 15 range down, you know, uh, maybe one of the A ball guys like Marco Rea, who, 
who they like is still an A ball. It's going to take a few years to get to the majors, uh, something like that. It depends what the Cubs are looking for, but usually they want some young pitchers in return. And it still looks like they've got a, a, a couple of A ball guys that they can um, part with. Uh, if they wanted like Simeon Woods Richardson, I'd be a little bit nervous about that. Uh, Jordan Balazovic is not having a good year at AAA. Uh, he was banged up early, and it's been slow for him to kind of get going. So I don't know what type of trade value he has, but there may be a team willing to take a chance on him at this point because I look like some pitchers are passed to Balazovic on the, on the pecking order here. Uh, so that could possibly make him more expendable. Um, I, you know, So I would say an A-ball pitcher who probably ranks anywhere from like the 14th to the 20th best in your, in your system may be enough to get uh, – to get someone like uh, Robertson or Daniel Bart, uh, one of those two guys. So um, those conversations should be ongoing right now uh, as the Twins need to kind of fortify things during the second half. Roy, uh, do you think the Twins have enough starting pitching right now to win the division? And which of the pursuers are you more worried about at this juncture? Well, I'm going to stick with my original um, original thought um, way back uh, when. Uh, we talked on this show. I think, Jim, you asked uh, Lavelle and me who, who we think is the, uh, the biggest competition you know, down the stretch, and, and um, it went Cleveland or Chicago. And I said, um, I said Chicago just because uh, the talent that's, uh, that they have uh, at the plate and uh, on the pitching staff, starters through, through the uh, end of the bullpen, I just think, it, I mean, they were playing so, such crappy baseball and it just, you know, those, that kind of evens out. I mean, talent ultimately uh, does what it does. And I just, I felt back then, and and I think we're starting to see it now. I mean, the White Sox just have too much talent to, to be to be crappy all year. Um, so I would be I would be most concerned about the the White Sox because of the pitching, primarily, and because they can score runs up and down the lineup. And <clears throat> You know, the, the defense is always is a wild card for them because they've not been very good, uh, and um, it, they're that that could ultimately derail them. But the the uh, offense and pitching they have is 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 pretty stout, and so I, I'd be worried about them. And do you think that the Twins, you know, really the Twins early in spring training it looked like they had no pitching? And then they got off to the slow start. Then all of a sudden, they had like eight guys who were pretty functional. At this point, do you like the Twins starting pitching going forward? Or because I don't think they're going to trade for you know an ace or anything like that. But are you comfortable with the six, seven, eight guys they've been running out there at this point? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know that I'm comfortable, but uh, I don't know that there's anything to do about um, comfort or lack thereof. Uh, it's gonna. It'd be hard. I mean, listening to Lavelle talk about what it would take uh, to get a uh, a reliever of some uh, of some note, I just, I, I again, I'm going to go back to my what I said a minute ago, and I, I just don't know what you what you give up um, in, in order to finish off the season with a with another bullpen guy and a starter. I mean, I'd love to I'd love to see that happen. The the Archer start against. Um, the White Sox was a little distressing. Um, he he'd been pitching really really well, um, and Fell off the I, table. I don't know about Bailey Ober. You know what's what's going on with him, but you know I mean I think I think it'd be very very difficult. I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't say that I'm totally comfortable, but I don't know that I'd be comfortable doing an awful lot 
you know, to change that unless you've got, unless you just made a blockbuster kind of deal for a stud that uh, was going to be, uh, it was going to be an ace. Um, and, you know, you give up, pro, you know, you give up a major player and prospect or two and get a stud and sign him to a bunch of money. Um, love to see that, uh, that happen if it were, a, if it turned out to be a, a, a good trade, but I just don't think we're, I don't think we're going to see that. Lavelle, you know the system well. Is there anybody in the system who could help the second half of this season in terms of pitching prospects? And is there anybody you think will be helping by like early to middle next year? I don't see it right now. I think uh, if anything, if they need a starter, if they get down to like their 10th and 11th option again, um, they just sent Smeltzer back down and he could return. Uh, Cole Sands could, could make another appearance here. Uh, Balazovic has been having short not outings. I'm wondering if they're slowly uh, moving him to a relief role because if he starts working on the bullpen and gets the control control going, they they could use him, you know, during the second half of this year. Um, uh, other than that, I don't know. I don't haven't noticed anyone who's really uh, forcing their forcing the Twins' hands as far as, as, far as being the call up here, but. Um, you know, double A. I think Simeon Woods Richardson still having a nice year, but I don't know if they'll call up a kid from double A to help out the rotation. Uh, I, I like Sonny Gray and I like Joe Ryan a lot. I, I just wish they could bring in a, a, a better starter and push them down in the, on the depth chart because that's how you build depth. Um, but that's that's going to take a lot of uh, you know, trade capital to pull off. And teams like the A's, we have Frankie Montas, and and teams like the Reds, we have the Castillo kid. You know, they're going to want top dollar for those two guys. And I don't know if the twins are going to do that. Cause I think if you look at next year, um, they're going to look at the fact that um, they'll have Kenta Maeda back. Oh, there's Maeda there. Now they're talking about if, if they make the playoffs that Maeda could work out of the bullpen for him. Uh, basically mostly because he could be ready to go sh- uh, a few innings and two, he's done well in that role with the Dodgers. So he could be a guy who may pop up here in mid to late September uh, and 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 pitch a couple of innings in the pennant race. So, but I think next year you're looking at the rotation, knowing that Kenta Maeda, expecting Kenta Maeda to be part of that rotation. So you're looking at Maeda and Gray, and, and Joe Ryan, and you know fill out the rest of your rotation from there. Josh Winder, um, the mysterious Bailey Ober, whose groin muscle pull has become very mysterious because I can't get an update on um, when he when's he doing and when's he coming back. You know, it's a mystery. So. Uh, I think they look at Maeda being part of rotation next year and are wondering that, and they may just op- decide that they work on the back end of the bullpen instead of the front end of the rotation. So, which I, I would do due diligence on the starter before I arrive at that conclusion. Um, because I don't think, uh, I think we've seen almost all the pitchers they have who can, can realistically help out the major league team from the minor league system. Yeah. The interesting thing about Maeda is uh, they don't, you know, they're not going to bring him off the injured list and then throw him like every day or even every other day. He's probably going to be like a one every three day guy for an inning or two. Yeah. And that, that doesn't work before you expand to the rosters. Once you expand the rosters, that's the ideal guy to, to add on to the roster. Somebody who might help you twice a week, but isn't, you know, isn't going to hurt you if you don't use them in, the, in an individual game. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could, it could definitely work if the, if the, if the pitcher staffs expand it. So, um, so that could, that could be a plus. So I'm curious to see how that works out, but at, at the least this team's going to add at least one right-handed reliever. I like to see a righty and a lefty. 
and a starter. So I'm asking for three pitchers. Eventually, when you are looking for three pitchers, that's going to cost one, cost you one of your top ten prospects. And maybe, maybe you dangle Austin Martin, who's not having the greatest season at Double A, and, and see uh, what his trade possibilities are. Because I think we, the Twins, are cornered the market on middle infielders who can also play the outfield. And I think uh, we could go forward with Royce Lewis next year, and in that role, and not Royce Lewis and Austin Martin. The yeah, draft was it. In, go ahead, Roy. Well, I was just going to say, I, I was just thinking before Lavelle said that, I was thinking about uh, Royce Lewis and that, you know, the, the, the injury problems that he's, uh, you know, that he's suffered. And, you know, it's just such a shame. I mean, you know, lockout, you know, COVID, no play, uh, hurt uh, a couple of times. But I'll tell you what, I mean, as we all know, when he was here, he looked like a big league player. And, and so uh, it would be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Lavelle, you made the right point about uh, you, you know, you're not going to get a lot from uh, Carlos uh, from a Carlos Correa trade this year. Um, it would if if Royce Lewis were available, it would be interesting to see if you could work out a three way deal, meaning wins another club and Carlos and say, look, we're going to, we're going to trade you and you're going to sign, you know, here's the, here's the, here's the deal. That's happened before where they work out a, they work out a trade for you and sign your, you know, to a multi-year deal. And, and it, that being the case, they, they could, they could get some, uh, some players uh, that would be interesting, but uh, without Royce Lewis, I think it's, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you in terms of, you know, play this season out with, you know, with the, um, you know, one of the best shortstops in the game playing for you and um, and then see what happens later. I don't want to belabor the uh, draft, but, you know, it feels like they got lucky that Brooks Lee dropped to them. He looks like a really polished, talented player. And uh, the pitcher they got in the second round, you know, a lot of a lot of scouts think can be think could be a fast riser. But, you know, I don't want to go deep on draft evaluation at this moment. Uh, right. let's, let's go to this. Um, does does Luis Arise win the batting title? Roy go first. Yes. Yep. He's he'll, he's going to win it. Um, the, he's the interesting thing about uh, I, uh, I the thing of note for me is that when uh, Arise slumped from three sixty to three forty eight, um, he down twelve points, hitting line drives all over the place. So um, we have not seen one chink in the armor. Of that approach and that ability, uh, not not one. Everybody's going to have uh, some bad at bats, some some at bats they give away now and again, um, and uh, he's the same way. But he gives away fewer of them on a on a weekly basis. He, I mean, the thing about him, all, all the things we talked about when Luis arrives, the one thing we haven't talked a lot about, but is as important as anything is. Uh, and Lavelle's talked about his focus and all all of that. And from you know from a player standpoint. It's about the ability not to give a bats away and just to, to fight through every single bat. And he does it as well or better than anybody. And we have not seen a let up in that. And we have not seen a slump where you, where there's any doubt that, oh, are things changing? Are they figuring him out? Is he not handling certain pitches? You know, what's going on here? None of that. He wins the batting title. I agree. Uh, I, think the, I think he's been locked in for most of the first half. Um, he's responded to a need uh, to bring some consistency, consistency to that lineup. Um, he's he's hitting pitchers with really good stuff. He's battling at bats. He obviously he's seen the ball well. 
and uh, he's using the whole field. He just it's just fun to watch him hit. When he dig when he gets to the dish, you think he's going to get a hit uh, every time up. And um, uh, plus, he doesn't act like he's under any pressure. Um, so I think I think he's on a roll. It's going to continue here into uh, July and August and September. It also helps that the Twins are leading the division too. So um, he's going to be uh, a full throttle here going forward. Um, I uh, don't have the hitting leaders in front of me, so I don't know how much in first place he is by. Uh, but um, I, 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 I like his chances because he's not going to try to hit home runs. He's going to try to lace the, the ball all over the field, find holes, take good at bats, and that's going to always give him a chance to get ahead. Right now, Rise is hitting 338. Uh, Devers is hitting 324. Benintendi, 317. So he's got a gap. And I tell you, and he's also number one on base percentage. And I tell you what, uh, I can't tell you how many slumping hitters I've talked to over the decades who have said, uh, you know, I'm just hitting in bad luck. And you, you, you're like, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you this out loud, but no, you're not. You're striking out and you're popping up. Uh, Luis Arise is hitting bullets. When he goes 0 for 5, if he goes over five, it's almost guaranteed two of them were bullets, either that were right at people who didn't have to move or somebody made a great catch on him. Uh, this guy is a machine. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, he he is a machine, and and um, that's that's the uh, you know what I was getting at as well. I mean, I, I, we watch it. We watch his his average come down from really lofty levels, but it uh, really hasn't looked like there's. It's because of a weakness or a change in what got him there to begin with. And uh, so I, you're right. He, I mean, he, he continues to hit the ball hard, and, and sometimes you do get in streaks where uh, guys are standing in front of him. You hit two line drives, two or three line drives, and, and, uh, and only one of them finds a, finds a hole. So, uh, you know, the other thing is it, it, it made me think when – Lavelle said he's he seems to be you know handling the pressure or not have the hand, the uh, pressure uh, bother him at all. The other thing that uh, is a characteristic of uh, Luis Arise is that uh, he's been this kind of hitter since he was about ten, mm-hmm. and uh, never not hit in, you know primarily this style and primarily with these kinds of results. And he just knows he can hit, and and that's a that's a big difference between guys that win the batting title and and um, and other guys. I mean, he just he. I don't think he'll uh, he'll feel uh, pressure at all because he knows it's there. He knows it's coming. If it's not tonight, uh, it'll be for the next week. So, did anyone was anyone horrified by the picture of Luis Arias at the All Star game having a conversation with Scott Boris? <laughs> Isn't, who's his agent? Well, it's listed as the MVP Sports Group, so that's not the Boris Corporation. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be he'll be working for Scott Boris here soon. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So the count the clock is ticking now. The clock is ticking, no <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, and the other one more note on Arise: what we also have to realize, and I'm sure you do, but just to say it out loud, when you're hitting 360 or 350, 340, you can go one for three with a double and a walk. And your average will go down. That's how hard it is to keep your average up at those lofty levels. So dropping down to whatever he is now, three thirty-eight or whatever, that's it's not exactly a, a crime. It's just it's just it's the it's regression to the mean to a certain point. 
All right, let's go to the uh, let's go to our music moment. By the way, if you'd like to advertise with this show or many of our shows across the TalkNorth.com platform, uh, we now have Prospox with Nate Prosser. We have Dave Lee. We have Boyce Olson. We have all the outdoor content. Uh, just a massive number of shows at this point. If you'd like to advertise with any of them or all of them, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Thanks for listening to this show. Reminder, email me at J-S-O-U-H-A-N at StarTribune.com. First emailer gets two tickets to Lyle Lovett on Saturday night at State Theater. I highly recommend Lyle. Now we're going to go to our music moment. And with this one, let's start with Roy. Any And when we do this, it can be a thought an observation, a recommendation, whatever you like, whatever you like to be. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, one is uh, I was, I, I spent a few weeks ago, I spent an awful lot of time uh, putting together lists from my youth, right, from the seminal time of my starting to listen to popular music when I was about 10, uh, all the way up through, uh, the year I graduated from high school. And I, and I went to Billboard and I went to uh, various places and I looked at every year what the top 100 plus, uh, uh, you know, from Billboard plus the plus other sources. And I made a list in every year of the songs that, that I liked or that had some serious nostalgia for me. And I started with uh, oldies, 59 to 62, and then I from 63 to 70, Every single year, I've got about an hour and a half of songs that were from that year. And uh, so I've got these lists now that are that are a blast for me. We know how evocative music is. And and so it's a lot of fun for me to think about a time in my life. I've got music to support that or or I listen to music and I think of stuff that happened when I was listening to that uh, to that music. Some of it back way, way back when. Music from when I was 10, I can still, if I hear a certain song, it reminds me of uh, my dad driving me to a Little League game, how nervous I was. I heard that, I hear that song now, I get butterflies in my stomach when I hear that song. <laughs> it reminds me of a 10-year-old um, shortstop playing probably over his head um, with the big boys. But um, in, in any event, part of that was uh, some old cream and Clapton that I hadn't, uh, for some reason, I hadn't uh, put on any list before. And I listened to uh, Born Under a Bad Sign by Cream, and I had forgotten. And maybe it was because I wasn't as into uh, big-time guitar, you know, blues guitar riff when I was in high school as I am now. But I I listened to that Clapton riff, Born Under a Bad Sign. And, you know, everybody's done that song, right? I mean, Albert King's done it. Every, every, everybody has done that. But I listened to this Clapton riff, Born Under a Bad Sign, and I went, damn, what, how come I haven't listened to that? And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, we, you guys were talking about, um, you know, guitarists, that, you know, living guitarists that, you know, that make the, make the top five or whatever. Uh, I find that that the, the blues stuff that Clapton has done, "Born Under a Bad Sign," and "Bell Bottom Blues," and and uh, um, those kind of stuff, his old stuff, I I just think that's the that's the best stuff he ever did, and I I, I was happy to re, to uh, to refine uh, some of those riffs. Cool stuff, Lavelle. Yeah, you know, I, I actually been trying to uh, surf the calendar here, seeing who's coming into town in the near future to uh, could check it out. And this guy is coming 
to the Twin Cities in November. So you got plenty of time to plan for this one. Uh, some of his songs include Blue and Evil and Just Got Paid. And the one I think I remember is Driving Towards Daylight. Uh, Joe Bonamassa, who I've touted as one of the top living guitarists, uh, is playing on November 11th at the Orpheum. So um, that's a Friday night as well. So I think I may be in attendance that evening to check out a little Bonamassa action. Uh, like I said, my top five living guitarists includes Clapton. It includes Buddy Guy. Uh, it includes uh, who I'm missing. Uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Kenny Wayne Shepherd. And then I got, oh, uh, yes, it's Carl Santana. And I got the Kenny Wayne Shepherd uh, 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 group that includes like Kenny Wayne Shepherd and my man who uh, we were just talking about how he bounces between pop and, and blues, uh, Matt, a couple John, weeks ago, Mayer. John Mayer and all those other guys. But, uh, Bono, Oh, Jeff Beck was the, Jeff yeah. Beck was the other guy too. So in that group, this is one of the group, Joe Bonamassa. I'm, I'm, the more I'm talking about the more I want to go. So I would, uh, recommend him for an evening of listening to some, some nice guitar play. Well, he's a phenomenal player. He's also one of the great collectors in the world. Uh, it just buys up every cool piece of vintage equipment he can find. His basically his whole house is just jammed with it. It's uh, it's cool. But he's I mean, just really just a guitar geek who happens to be good enough to make a living at it, and it makes him pretty endearing. Uh, my music moment. And by the way, please subscribe to the network or this show on your favorite podcast app. It's the easiest way to listen. It's free. It's just easy. Um, so I was driving around. I when I covered high schools in Texas, a lot of long drives. You drive to Austin, you drive to Lubbock, you drive to East Texas to pick up stories. And back then, we did not have uh, satellite radio. Uh, we did not have CDs. We were old. Uh, well, we were young then, but the but now we are old, and we listen to cassettes. And I still remember the first time I bought a Lyle Lovett cassette, and how pleased I was to be introduced to the quirky world of Texas singer songwriters. Uh, it's not, you know, there's some straight country in Texas, but there's also that Austin, San Antonio, uh, you know, surrounding area of Houston, uh, thing in Texas going on where you get just phenomenal musicians, but also really interesting songwriters, uh, and not just straight country, but it'll blend jazz or, funk or anything else in there and uh, Lyle Lovett was my introduction to all that so thanks to Lyle and once again if you want the tickets email me uh, other than that gentlemen thanks good stuff and we'll talk next week sounds good sounds good